0: We have some very interesting topics today. One thing that we're going to see is a methodological point that sometimes Tanetic sources, we'll see a breitah today, uses uh, exaggerated language. And it's a good lesson not to always take every word, every breitah, exactly, literally, because sometimes the rabbis speak in exaggeration. And we'll also see another important topic, which is regarding Yom Tov Sheni, uh, in Galut and what the status of it is. So topics we'll see are, uh, number one, an egg with a chicken is permitted, a braita. We have to explain this. Uh, that's where we're going to see the exaggeration. Another case we'll talk about is when you have Shabbat and Yom Tov back to back, and an egg is born on one, can you eat it the next day? And that'll uh, lead into other relevant cases. And then the two days of Yom Tov and uh, some uh, related cases regarding that. Okay, however, we begin just with a, a last point about the Brita from yesterday. If you remember, here it is. We saw a breitah yesterday that said that an egg that's born on, uh, on, uh, on Shabbat or Yom Tov, so it cannot be used. However, then it says, Usveka asura. Um, so if you're not sure when it was born, so then it's pro- prohibited. And if it gets mixed up in a thousand, then they're all prohibited. So we brought this as a question to those two opinions that say Banan. According to Raba, who gives a reason that it's deoraita, then we understand this line, Safek is Asura, because Safek Deodayta the However, according to the other two opinions, Rabbi Yitzchak and Rabbi Yosef, who say it's a Gezerah, so gezera is dirabanan, and the general rule is that safek dirabanan le kula. So therefore, why should it be safek asura? That was our question, and the answer, the first answer we gave, is that this safek asura, talking about a new case, It's actually talking about a terefa, an egg that comes from a sick chicken that won't live out the year, and that's why that's asura midde oraita. Okay, fine. That explains that line, but it doesn't explain the next line. That if it fell into a thousand, all of them would be asurot. If you say we're talking about a, um, uh, it, it, if you say the, the previous case is talking about besashen adab tov, that's the sheish lo Anything that will become permitted, just wait till tomorrow. Then we don't use the principle of nullification. It's not batel even be But if you're talking about a a terefa, egg, then that's gonna be prohibited forever. And therefore it should be batel. So why are you saying it's not batel? That was our question. And the basic answer is, even though we're gonna have some different formulations of it, our basic answer is an egg is something that's important. It's chashuv, it's something that is uh, sometimes sold as a a singly. Uh, Not always do you sell a dozen eggs, sometimes you sell one, and that gives it significance. And therefore something that's significant is not batel. Now, who says that? Well, we did see one opinion. Um, it's the uh in this in this Mishnah who says here mm-hmm. um, But some say kol. If you read the word kol there, which is what the Shimon ben Lakish says, then we have a candidate. The Bimeir could be the author of that Vadaita. However, our problem is what if you have the word etched kol which is what the Yochanan says then who would, will you say is the author of this Mishnah? So we've we found someone. It's the, gonna be um, the end of the, this Mishnah. We're gonna see the opinion of the B'Yohoshua and it could be him. Okay, so um, we just have to read through the Mishnah. It's a pretty simple case, even though the Mishnah is a little bit wordy. And then we'll see the, his, his, uh, his opinion. What we're looking for is for the B'Yohoshua who says, even something that is sometimes sold singly Called something that is counted, counted out one by one, uh, is uh, considered important and not batel. So let's see the case that this Mishnah is talking about. Litra is the same word that uh, comes from Greek, uh, litra or leader, um, probably the origin of our word leader, but actually it's a weight measurement and is also the origin of what we call a pound. Uh, When we abbreviate a pound, we call it LB, which is actually short for Libra, a version of Litra. So Litra is literally a pound of dried figs that would be pressed into a circular mold to make a fig cake. That's what we're talking about. And our problem here is that we put some figs in there that are Tebel. We didn't take Tirumah tirumah Maaser. And we have a lot of them. We have a lot of these fig cakes. And I know I put it on top, the table on top of one of them, but I don't remember which of the vessels I put it on. Or another case. It's really the same case. i put it on top of a barrel, um, this table. But I don't know which barrel. I have I have 50, 100 barrels here. Or I put it in a basket. On top of a basket, and I don't know which basket um, I put the table on. So now I have a problem. Omer, Reb- so now we're going to have a double machloket, a machloket about a machloket. The Bimeir has one version of the following machloket between the Bieliezer and the The Bimeir is later, and he's, he's telling us, reporting about earlier Tanaim. So according to the Bimeir, this is all not relevant for uh, what we're looking for because these these opinions don't answer the question. But he says, according to the Rebbe Alionot. what we do is we consider the top layer as if it was loose, and therefore we, we join together the top layer with all the rest of it. So as long as there is a hundred times for turuma, you need a hundred times um, of kosher uh, fruit to nullify something that is tebel. So if there's 100 times in the entire barrel or basket, then it will nullify whatever um, fruit I put up, up there that was table. and so then that's fine. Even though I know I put it on top, so therefore I shouldn't really consider the rest of it, but figs are only required to bring to the banan. So therefore, the rabbis are lenient with it, um, and so that's the most lenient opinion. The second opinion, Rabbi uh, Mutarim. So no, since I put it on the top, I know it's on the top. So therefore, the only way to nullify it is if I have 100 barrels and only one of them I put, this this table. So therefore, all hundred barrels together, the top layers of them will nullify the one top that I put it in. So that's the yoshua So you really, you know, you know where it is. So therefore, you need a hundred tops. Good. That's one version of the machloket of the bimeir. The Biuda says otherwise. Omer. Omer, Im me'apumin asurin According to the Biuda. What Rabbi what Yeshua said before in the other version, Rabbi Yehuda says is now to be Eliezer's opinion. So the same thing, the one that is really the most logical, that I know I put it on the top of one, so I need 100 barrels in order to nullify it. So all tops of the 100. And now here's the thing we've been looking for. Rabbi Yeshua Omed, even if there are 300 barrels and 300 top mouths of the barrels where I put... I put other fake cakes, nevertheless, it's not nullified. It's never nullified. No matter how many, uh, it's not, nothing happens. Why? Why is Rabbi Yoshua being so strict? Uh, he seems to think that since sometimes I'll sell a cake right as a whole, sometimes I count it out and sell it as a unit. Therefore, each cake is a significant object and any, anything that is even sometimes sold and at singly does not become nullified. And now that is useful for us, because he could be the author of our baraita that says that eggs, that it's a Terefa egg, and so it'll always be Asur, nevertheless, because eggs are sometimes sold singly, it's not Batel, even in a thousand, that would explain our Badaita. Okay, good. Now that we quote this Mishnah, mostly, we're just going to quote the end of it, even though it's not relevant. If you um, uh, took this table and you mashed it into a fig cake um, and you don't know where it is at all, so everyone agrees that then it does become nullified. So now we say, what do you mean everyone agrees? We just had uh, a four-way machloket about this or three-way machloket about this. So why are you saying everyone agrees? Explains, what it means is that the previous cases were all on top. So I know where it is. So that's why I have some idea where it is. So then it's a problem to use the whole barrel. But if I put it somewhere in the barrel, I don't even know where in the cake it is. If it's on the north side of the cake, the south side of the cake is totally mixed in, then that's not something that's identifiable anymore. And therefore everyone would agree that it can be nullified um, in in that case. Good. So all that is the answer, the continuation of the answer we mentioned yesterday. And now we're going to have one more answer to the same question. Remember the question was that Baraita that mentioned that you have this egg that's born on Yom Tov. can't use it, and then it says sefek asura, and then this is one in a thousand asura. And so, according to the opinion that it says it's drabanan, why should it be asura? Um, uh, so that was the question. So Rav Hashem has a brilliant answer. He says according to the Bais and Rav Yosef, the ones who say drabanan. They can even say that it's talking about the same case all the way through, from top to bottom of that baraita. And here's the thing. We know that something that will become mutar tomorrow, and that is a case, so it's not batel, we don't use nullification. The vashesh says not only do we not do nullification, also a safek will be lichumra, even though we usually say safek rabbanan likula, that's only for something that will be permanently prohibited. but. This egg, even though it's only the rabbanan, but tomorrow will be per- 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 permitted totally. So therefore, just like it doesn't get nullified, so too a sefik. You're not sure, was it born today? Was it born yesterday? Was it born on Yom Tov or not? Um, theref- that we don't, we're not going to rely on a sefik, because just wait till tomorrow and it'll be perfectly fine. So Rabasheh conceptually is joining together the logic of bitul together with the logic of safek. And that is really very interesting. And then that, this way he can read the b'aitah from beginning to end uh, very nicely, even according to Rabbi Israq and Rabbi Yosef. Question mark? Yeah, so at the end of the previous b'aitah, it, it says that Rabbi says, oh, they all agree about this case in which the figs are, are mashed up. We don't know exactly where the, the ones that are, mm-hmm. are not allowed are. But according to Rabbi Yosef, it wouldn't make a difference because they're significant. So even if they're anywhere in the, in the press, there's no significance so we can't make them batel. Good, so I think the idea is like this. If you have an entire cake that's prohibited, so that entire cake will never become batel. But if you have a cake that's mixed in within one cake, half of it is, per- is per- permitted and half of it is prohibited, then that's not an innumerable thing. You don't sell, you know, half a cake is not an entity. Oh. Um, so that's why if it's mixed in within one cake and you don't know is the north side or the south side, that's when everyone would say it is batel. Okay. That's the idea. Okay, very good. And so now we get to a new badaita. And let's just look at our outline. So we're here, we're talking about, um, this is a b'aitah that has just some strange language and we have to figure out what it is. And both of the explanations are going to be very interesting. So here's what it says. Achedim mishum te'achel That's it, the short b'aitah that you can eat the egg and its mother skinan, what kind of cases are you' talking about if it's in eating uh, uh, one that's meant a uh, chicken that's meant to be consumed then obviously you can eat it and you can eat the egg or well, it's, it's a simple case but if it's going meant to be for uh, laying eggs then it's we we didn't have it in mind. Um, it's not prepared food, and therefore you can't eat the chicken and you can't eat it either. So can't be talking about that case. So what is it talking about? Amada bi te'achel agav ima. about a case where I can only eat the egg if I eat the chicken, if I eat the mother. Okay, why would that be? Why would, why would there be a case that you can only eat the egg if I decide to eat the mother? Here it is. Hechidame, amada I bought the chicken without having anything in mind. And I just bought the chicken. I didn't decide if I'm going to eat it or if I'm going to let it lay eggs. And then I decide during the day, I bought it yesterday. Today on Yom Tov, I decide, you know what? I'm going to eat it. And I do Shechita. So now I have retroactive active designation, right? That's, that I wanted to eat it. Because I now I decided I wanted to eat it, the chicken becomes an eating chicken, and therefore the egg that was laid is one that was meant for eating, and now it's permitted. So this is an amazing chidush that I can decide on that day, and that will retroactively um, uh, decide what type of chicken it is, and therefore what type of egg it is. All right, so that's one explanation of the b'rayta. And here's a second explanation. No, don't take the words so literally. It's just exaggerating. You can eat it, you can even eat the chicken, you can even eat the egg. And here's another version of that braita. And this version has to be for sure uh, an exaggeration. There's no way to explain the the words of the following braita without this methodology. The tanya. You can eat an egg that's born on Yom Tov, it and its mother and the chick and the shell. Okay, so my what are you talking about? Eat the shell. Ilema kulipama mash. Talk about eggshell itself. Kilipa bat Can anyone eat an egg shell? What are you talking about? Ela, a Must. This is referring to one thing a chick that's found inside the egg, right? Um, that on Yom Tov, you find, you open up, you find the chick in the egg. You can even eat that. Now, is that true? Are you allowed to eat a chick that you find inside an egg? The halacha is no, you can't. In another place, there's a machloket between these two sages about a chick that uh, that came out of the shell, right? A newborn chick, are you allowed to eat it or not? That's a machloket, forget that. But everyone agrees that an unborn chick—you're not allowed to eat, even if you open it up. It's—it's uh, it's considered a creepy crawly and is not edible. So, therefore, we cannot possibly take this beraita literally—that you can eat the mother and the egg, and even the chick in the in the shell. Right? This is just an exaggeration. Ela <inaudible> guzma. wants to bring home a point that we really, really follow the lenient opinion in this case but you're not actually going to eat it. So too, in our varaita, that doesn't mention the the, the chick and the uh, shell, it's also saying a language of exaggeration. You can eat it, you can eat the egg and its mother. In other words, the whole thing, you can eat it, don't worry. It's not actually giving any extra chidush by saying that also the mother, it's just a way of um, emphasizing how lenient one can be in such a case. Okay, excellent. So that's uh, that's really fun to see those two interpretations. And now we're going to have a related case. We're going to end up quoting the Badaita that we started with uh, as a proof um, uh, uh, here. So we're talking about Shabbat and Yom Tov that are back to back. And an egg is born on the first of the days. doesn't matter if it's Shabbat, Yom Tov, or Yom Tov, Shabbat. And now you want to eat it on the second day. Uh, and this is a machloket, itmar. Shabbat v'yom tov. Rab Amar noda baze baze. Rav from Bavel says no, prohibited stringent about it. Rabbi Yochanan Amar noda baze baze. Yochanan is born on one day. Now it's the next day. It's a different day, and so it's permitted. So let's try to analyze the opinion of Rav. Why does he say it's no good? Rav kidusha Perhaps Rav thinks that it's one long. Holy day. And therefore, it's born, doesn't even it's born on the first day, and now it's the second day. It's considered like one long period of holiness. And therefore, for whatever reason, you say it's prohibited, let's say it's uh, mukseh. So then it's going to continue and still be mukseh on the next day. And now, is that the reason? Well, it doesn't make sense. In a different place, said the halacha follows some four sages and also to be Eliezer, who say that two days in a row are separate Kiddushot. The, the application there is that if I make an eruv Tichumin, I want to go outside the city this this way, I make it the first day, um, I'll say Shabbat, do I have to make another one for the next day, if it's the next day is Yom Tov? And they say, yes, I have to make two of them, because they're two separate periods of holiness. And therefore, he thinks they're two separate periods. If they're two separate periods, and you should be able to eat it, on the second day, so he doesn't think that they're one Kiddushah. so that can't be the reason. Rather, the reason is that they're arguing about Rabba's opinion that we saw um, in on the first daf. Um, whether you're allowed to prepare from one day or, or to the other. Rav says, you're not allowed to prepare. He has this prob- this, this law of Rabbah. and so it's preparing from Shabbat to Yom Tov or Yom Tov Shabbat. And then Rabbi Hanan says, no, there's no problem of preparing. He doesn't have that law. Good. So that makes sense. And we can even uh, verify that this is already a machloket between Tanaim, even before these two Amoraim. Daim. <tanaim> Ki b'shabbat teachil b'yom tov. B'yom tov, teachil b'shabbat. So the first Kama here says if it was born on Shabbat, you can eat it on Yom Tov. If it was born on Yom Tov, you can't eat it the next day on Shabbat. So therefore it's permitted. Well, that would follow uh the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. However, um, Rabbi Yudah says, no, this will be subject to the same machloket. If you follow beti which we follow, and you don't eat it on the first day, you can't eat it on the second day either. So you see that that follow, Rav would follow that opinion, um, that whatever you do on the first day is the same on the second day. Great. Now we have two stories about this actually happening in two different people's homes. Ushpi <laughs> So the host, Rav Adah, went to someone's house, and the host, who was not as learned as Rav Adah, came and asked the guest about such a case, where you had some Betzim that were born on Yom Tov, and this question is, can we eat them on Shabbat? So, The host asked the guest, can I roast them today? Today is Yom Tov, so you're allowed to cook. And I want to roast the eggs today that were born today, but I'm not going to eat them today because they're no lad. So, but we want to eat them tomorrow on Shabbat. That's his question. And so Rabbi da answers. So, what's, what, what, what are you thinking that you would pose the question, assuming that? You, you, you think it's allowed. So you must think that this, we have a general rule. It's a true. We have this rule that whenever you have a machlok between Dava and Rebiyo Halakha follows the Bi'ochanan. here is lenient. So therefore, yeah, it should be allowed to eat it on on Shabbat. However, you're missing an, a, a point here. Afidlo la kashare. Even Biochanan who says you can eat it the next day, he means you can eat it uh, raw. You just swallow the whole, uh, swallow the egg, but you can't cook it. Why? Because on the first day, in this case, the first day is Yom Tov, it's still, you can't move it even. Um, so therefore, how are you going to roast it? Uh, so therefore, um, yes, you can eat it the next day, but only raw. You can't cook it the first day because you can't move it. You, can't, um, uh, you don't have access to it. So even the Khanan would not permit what, you, what you're trying to do. And now we have a proof. And this is the Baraita that we read yesterday and that we started today's Dafan. And this is a proof for what he said, batanya Sometimes vehatanya is a proof, not a question. Um, an egg that was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov, you cannot move it. You can't use it to cover something else, and you can't use it as a bed post. So you see, you can't use it, therefore you can't roast it. Good, that's story number one, about Shabbat and Yom Tov back to back, and now story number two. You could tell that it's hard to find the three-letter root to this word, because it's not a Semitic root, it's a it's a Persian word. It means the host, like Ush right, on, uh, on Sukkot, right, that we're hosting. The Papa, the Papa went to someone's house, and he's the guest. Or others say that Papa was the host, and a guest came to his house. Either way, they're eating together, and in that house there were some eggs that were born on Shabbat, and now they want to eat them on Yom Tov. So they came and asked him, uh, "Can we eat these tomorrow? They're born today. We want to eat them tomorrow." So the Papa says, "Don't ask me today. Ask me tomorrow." Okay. Why did he want? Why did he push him off? Because Rav Papa followed the same practice as Rav. Rav would not give a public lecture. When you say to to put an amora. A, a, a an announcer so whenever a rabbi would give, make a fin- official public lecture they would have and then he would he would speak in a regular voice and the announcer would speak in a loud voice because there was a lot of people there now anything said in a public lecture you can take as le lemaase so the rabbi had to be totally focused he can't just say some theory right everybody's listening and they're going to actually go and do it so here's the thing they would not give public lectures with announcers when you had one Yom Tov, and then the next day is going to be another holy day, right? Two days in a row, because they would drink in between, and you don't want to give a public lecture and teach halacha when one when a person might be drunk, because then you won't remember everything and you'll say things are, that are wrong. So there, Papa did the same thing, and he said, "Listen, we have two days of a holiday here, and uh, I'm, you know we're going to be drinking during the during the meal. I I, I drank during the meal. I can't answer you today. Come back tomorrow." and then I'll be in a proper state to give you the answer. Okay, so that's just fun in itself. So he does come back. Um, see, it's a good thing that you came today um, because if otherwise I would have forgotten the following, right? If I if I answered you right away yesterday, I would have given you the wrong answer. I would have said, yes, this general rule, you follow the Yochanan, and therefore it's permitted. is lenient. I would have said that. But I would have forgotten that which I now remember that I'm sober, that there's a secondary rule. There are exceptions. That Ava said, there are three matters in which we followed Rav, even against Rebiyo Hanan, um, leaned for leniency and stringency, and this is one of them. And therefore, he also would be uh, said, we have to be stringent, and you cannot use the egg from one day to the next. Um, good. So that's, uh, so that's the case here. Reverend Bilchanan permits stuff, uh, prohibits. We saw two explanations. Is it because it's one kiddushah or because it's preparing? And we sense to two stories that both decide the case stringently, although uh, for different reasons. Good. And now we're going to apply the case of an egg being born to wood falling off a tree into an oven. And these are conceptually the same. Wood on a tree cannot be used, right? It's mukseh. um, uh, It's mukseh. But if it falls off the tree, then, well, now, how about now? Can I use it? It falls into the oven. Well, once it's mukseh at the beginning of the holiday, it's mukseh even now. And so this is similar to an egg that is born on Yom Tov. So we're going to talk about a case in which possibly you would be able to use the wood, even though it fell on Yom Tov. So let's see this case. He's the one that we just saw says it's permitted to use um, an egg from one day to the next. However, he says that if 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 uh, leaves fell on Shabbat. Then, and then now the next day is Yom Tov. So you might think it's the same thing, just like an egg that was born yesterday, I can eat today. Maybe you would tell me, think that I, I say, that branches that fell yesterday in Shabbat can be used today. But he says, no, I would not make that application. They're different. Why? The difference is that an egg potentially You could um, swallow on Shabbat, and nevertheless, we say, no, you can't, don't swallow it on Shabbat, only tomorrow, but the fact that it is is potentially usable on Shabbat, and therefore we say it's not, don't use it, the person will know, okay, it's prohibited on Shabbat, but only permitted the next day, so we have that awareness. However, at seem the la hazuliomayhu, isharilula machar, atelememar, beomayhu namesheru, vet momishum shabbatu, de la hazu la hasaka. Trees, however, which because it's Shabbat and you're not allowed to burn them, so there's no way that you can possibly use them even if they were prepared and they didn't fall off the tree. So therefore, in the case of trees, if we permit it on the second day that's Yom Tov, people will say, the only reason we didn't use it yesterday is because it was Shabbat and we can't can't burn things on Shabbat. But otherwise it would be permitted. And then they would make a mistake. Let's say it was the other, let's say it was Yom Tov to Yom Tov. And they would say, oh, it fell on Yom Tov. It's permitted to, to burn them even on the first day of Yom Tov. And they won't realize that's prohibited on that day. Whereas an egg, which um, I can use in a, in a prohib- per- permitted way on Shabbat because I can swallow it, I'm not violating any violating so the fact that I don't use it, then therefore I know that it's prohibited on that day, but only permitted the next day. Trees don't have that um, that noticeability. Okay, so that's an interesting distinction. Now, Amad HaMatna, Esim min BiYom Tov, the following sugya is essential for anyone studying to be a rabbi. This is one of the things in the standard curriculum because it has to do with nullification. And the question here is, let's say I have a mixture of something permitted and prohibited, but the permitted is not enough to overpower, to nullify the prohibited. Can I add more of the permitted material so that it'll get up to the level of whatever I need to get up to. Let's say you know it's uh, 1 in 60, and uh, this, this mixture is only 1 in 40. Can I add more on purpose to nullify? Can I nullify on purpose? So this is the primary source for this question. Um, so here's the case. You have trees that fell from a tree, um, uh, 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 branches that fell from a tree right into an oven. They go right into some kind of big oven, or maybe like a fire pit or something, or barbecue. So here's what I'm allowed to do, according to the Matana. I can go and take more permitted branches, more firewood that I had prepared before, add them to it until there's a majority of prepared firewood, and then I can use the whole thing. That's an amazing thing that I, I can purposely nullify it. So now we're going to ask some questions on this. Wait a second. But then when you're preparing the fire and turning turning it over and poking it, you're using prohibited trees that also fell. The answer, No, since the majority is permitted, so it all becomes permitted. Whatever fell from the tree today becomes uh, swallowed up, becomes nullified in the rest. Question: Yeah, but you put it in on purpose and we have a Mishnah that says you're not allowed to add more to nullify something on purpose. If it happened, oh, by mistake, uh, some milk dropped and fell in to the pot while I was uh, pouring the milk for coffee. By mistake, fine, you can do it, but you can't put it in on purpose So the answer is only in a deoraytad, that's when you can't add things on purpose, but in a drabanan law, I am allowed to add things on purpose. So that is a huge distinction. And it means, it doesn't mean now in any drabanan you can just go and add it in. The the, the cases where um, it already fell in, so it already got mixed up somewhat and by itself, But now I'm just going to add more to whatever prohibited is in there uh, in order to increase the level so that it will be nullified. But I can't start the process of nullification on purpose, even according to this opinion. Oh, now we have a good question. Remember that we brought earlier in the DAF, who said that anything that will be per- permitted later on tomorrow, even if it's a we don't use the whole principle of nullification? And in this case, we're talking about trees on Yom Tov. So just wait till tomorrow, and the trees that fell, the branches that fell, will be totally permitted. Um, so then, what would you do? How could you apply nullification? <speaking in Hebrew> a brilliant answer, rab Ashe's principle. Uh, only applies when the thing is going to still be around. He was talking about an egg. If I don't eat the egg tomorrow, today, it'll be around tomorrow and it's permitted. Therefore, it never becomes nullified. But the branches, I'm burning them. And therefore, they're going to just be ashes. They're not going to be a- around tomorrow. So this is not called davar she yesh lo matirin. This is a davar that's not going to be in, in existence tomorrow. And therefore, it's like something that will does not have matirin. It's prohibit. It's, it's prohibited now. And I don't only have to think about now because it's not going to exist tomorrow. And therefore, it can in fact be nullified. Okay, another brilliant distinction uh, here. Also. Um, even though this looks like it's disjointed, it's talking about all different cases, you see that they bring the braita from the beginning, then they bring ravashe from that previous case and apply the same principle here. So really all these cases are interestingly interweaved um, with each other, just thinking about these fundamental principles as they apply to all these other cases. All right. And now we get to the next and final topic, which is when we have two days of Yom Tov, then what is the law? We just talked about Yom Tov and Shabbat, but how about Yom Tov back-to-back in exile? Even though that was machmir on the previous case, in this case, it says it's fine, two days Yom Tov and an egg is born on one day, you can eat it the second day. But now Rav says the one that says, no, it's not, it's not allowed. Let's see why. So maybe Ravase thinks that when the rabbis decided that you have to keep two days of Yom Tov because you're in Galut and you don't know when the new moon is, and so you're not sure is today Pesach or is tomorrow Pesach. Um, so they established uh, you have to celebrate, you have to celebrate, commemorate two days. When they did that. They didn't establish it. There's two ways to think about it. That the first day is sefik, the second day of sefik is sefik. But only one of the days is actually the day. The other way to think about it is that once they said you have to keep two days, it's now one long holiday. It's one period of Kiddushah and that's integrated and you don't distinguish between day one and day two. So perhaps he thinks that, that it's all one long period of holiness. <speaking in Hebrew> that doesn't can't be because Rab Aseh he would say Havdalah after the first day of Yom Tov, which is an amazing thing. It means that he really knew that, according to the calculated calendar, the first day is the real day, and therefore you have to, you have to say you have to say after the holiday is over. So he would say Havdalah, right, and 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 break it apart, and then he would also keep the second day because okay, Safik, but since I really know, um, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna do the first day fully and say Havdalah. So therefore, you see, he treats the two days as separate units, as a sapphic. And since he kind of really knows the first one is the first, is the real one, he would say havdalah. So then, why did he say that is prohibited on the second day? He should permit it on the second day. Um, so the answer is, the truth is, was not sure if, if it should be treated like two separate days or like one long day. And therefore, he took the stringencies of both. On the one hand, he said, maybe today is the real day, I should say Havdalah. So he would do that. On the other hand, maybe it's one long holy day. And therefore, an egg born today, I'm not gonna eat tomorrow. So Ravaseh was stringent for both sides. <speaking in Hebrew> Amar Bizera, de mistabera, yad'inan bekabdinan today Bizera said, what ravaseh said, that, that did actually make sense because after all, today, we know how to calculate the calendar. And so therefore, if you would think that it's two separate days out of sephek, in other words, the rabbis just they didn't have to institute anything. You just don't know when it is. So keep two days. Now, that means if you're in a time and place where you do know the calendar and you do know when it is, then you wouldn't have to keep the second. And yet, look, look around. Even though we know when the real day is, we still celebrate two days. That means that we should treat them like one long day. When the rabbi said, keep two days, it wasn't simply out of sefek. They established two days as one, as a long, um, as a two-day long holiday. Um, and therefore, he agrees, at least with uh, half of what rabbi said, the string said, that we should be stringent to consider it two days and not eat the egg from one day to the next. Okay, and now another support. Okay, we have to bring a lot of supports. Apparently, there were uh, some people that didn't you know that wanted to curtail the second day of Yom Tov. Um ditnan. So now he says um, he's gonna follow Rav. He's gonna support for Rav. Um, the opposite that no, it's it's considered one day masi'in masu'ot. So here's how he learns it. The a Mishnah and Rosh Hashanah that says that they used to have a system um, that worked very, very well. Um, and that when the witnesses came to the Beit Din and said, Today is, is uh, Rosh Chodesh, so then they would send someone to the top of a mountain, he would wave um, he would wave a torch. And then the next person on the next mountain would see it and, uh, and wave the torch. And then within just a few minutes, you can go from mountaintop to mountaintop all the way up to the north and even into Bavel. And you, everyone would know that today is Rosh Vodesh. And then they would, they would know which day is all, for all the holidays and they could keep only one day. Now, um, that, was, that, are, that was used um, during, right, during that time whenever uh, the messengers did not reach uh, diaspora, they, they, they said, um, you, you can use this now. And so there was now these heretics, the Samaritans, they had a different calendar, so they interfered with the system. They would go on, wrong, on the wrong day and just wave a, uh, a torch from somewhere. And then they would would, um, trigger the rest of the torches on the wrong day. And so the rabbis had to um, stop that, that system and they couldn't do it anymore. Now, if the Samaritans had not interfered, then the sages would have returned to the original custom and would have said, you can do one day everywhere. And the truth is that anywhere messengers arrive, that also, they also do one day, one day. And as they sell you, they do one day. And so therefore, um, if we know when it is, we should also only keep one day. And that is supports Rav, who said, if it's born on first day, you can eat it on the second day because they're two separate days, only out of safek. If it's only done out of safek, then if you know, you wouldn't have to keep two days. And that in fact was the system back then. So that's interesting that we have a proof for the other side. Now we have a question. Well, nowadays, we do know the calendar. So you just said we bring the support to Rav because after all, once upon a time when they had a system of communication, they only kept one day. And if the Samaritans had not messed it up, we still would have kept one day. So now we do know the system. Why should we keep two days? So because they sent a message to us from Eretz Yisrael, and they said, I know you now you know how to calculate, but nevertheless, keep the, the custom of your forefathers because who knows what will happen? Maybe today, now you can sit and calculate. It takes a long time. It's a very complex calculation to figure out when the new moon is gonna be. And so now you're at peace and you can do it, but who knows? maybe there'll be um, some gezerah, some uh, uh, um, uh, uh, prohibition by the government and they won't allow you to learn Torah and they won't give you the time to sit and make the calculation. And then you'll have to go back to the original system. And by then people won't know how to do two days of Yom Tov anymore. So therefore, just in case, continue to do two, two days of Yom Tov, even though now you know the day, maybe the system will get messed up once again and you'll have to go back to the original system And uh, that is why even today we follow two. We have two days of Yom Tov. So I know you're going to ask, yeah, but today you know we don't. It's easy to make the calculation. In any case, they could just send a a WhatsApp message from Israel and say, okay, we decided today. There's really no way we're going to possibly go back to the original problem. So um, that is a good question. Uh, One answer is we need a bet din to undo this because it was now accepted as as a very strong custom and halakha and a gezerah, and therefore you would need a din to undo it, right? The point is that they instituted it, even though they knew the day uh, back then, and they said, you still have to do it. And the other answer is because if you had only one day of Yom Tov, then you wouldn't have two days to go to your parents and your in-laws, and that would cause big fights for the sake of Shalom Bayit. Therefore, we should continue to make two days of Yom Tov. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.